Welcome in, coming to you live from the capital city of the great state of Texas. We are overlooking downtown Austin and the University of Texas, the 40 Acres. Welcome to the weekly broadcast, now bi-weekly broadcast, that understands that the pride and tradition of the Texas football program will never be entrusted to the timid or the, we timid or the weak. This is the Eyes on Texas Multicast. We are a product of the Republic of Football and Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network, also powered by our presenting partner at Grande Equipment and our five other Founding partners we'll tell you about throughout the course of our program tonight. I'm Aaron Hogan, morning show host at The Horn here in Austin. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, Mr. Mike Craven. Mike, Longhorns 3-0, ranked in the top three for the first time in, gosh, 13 years, 2009. Last time they were there. Uh, some issues to talk about with a 31-10 win over Wyoming, but in the end it's a 21-point win against a team that looks like they might be a contender in the Mountain West and a bowl team in Wyoming. Yeah, not a perfect team. Not not the best performance of all time, but three and zero for the first time since two thousand twelve. So that's the silver lining there. And they'll try to go four and zero for the first time since that same year uh, at Baylor this week. Conference play begins. It's the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. We call it the multicast because it's available in multiple ways, uh, multifaceted. You can uh, watch it on YouTube at the Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel or the Horn FM. Just Look for the Horn Austin on YouTube, and it's available there, housed there uh, on your, the YouTube channel. It's also available for download through iTunes and Spotify weekly. We record on a Monday. We'll drop it on a Tuesday. We'll also have a second podcast later in the week. Thursday, we'll record it to preview the Big Baylor game, and that will come out on Friday morning or early Friday afternoon. You can also follow the show on Twitter at EyesOnTexasFB, on Instagram at EyesOnTexasPod, and on Facebook, we are live at EyesOnTexasPodcast. So please follow us, like us, all that stuff on all of those platforms. Uh, before we start talk about the big win, here from Steve Sarkeesian. Here are the highlights of a Longhorn 21-point victory. Uh, we start by thanking our presenting partners at Grande Equipment, our great friend Wes Murray and Weston, their team that understand that your reputation when it comes to a project, large or small, is all you have. Uh, and when you got that project, you need heavy equipment of any size, any, any, any scope. All that matters is getting it done, getting it done on time. That's why Grande partners with you on every project, every time. They've operated this way for 31 years. They're not in the equipment business, as Wes always tells me. They're in the relationship business. It's earning your business is the start of that relationship. When you need things done right and the right piece of equipment for that project, all you want is it there to be ready and job site ready, ready to go and on time so you can get your project done. That's how Grande operates. And they are independent. As, a, as an equipment uh, manufacturer, so they can deal with any of the manufacturers, Caterpillar, John Deere, Komatsu, Volvo. They are not locked into one like a lot of people are. They're heavy equipment, sales, rentals, and everything you need. It's Grande Equipment. I also have a new renewable, renewable energy sector supporting solar projects all over the country, specialized in pile driver application, both new and used, and uh, simply the best. Grande is your international independent dealer. Find them at grandeequipment.com. They're local, but they're uh, nimble and play in the big leagues right here in Central Texas. Find them online at grandeequipment.com. They don't overpromise, they overdeliver. Kind of like the Eyes on Texas multicast. All right, let's get into it. We break the OT into four quarters each episode, just like a football game and halftime. In our second quarter, we'll drill down on the Texas offense and their performance from uh, Saturday night. The good, the bad, and the ugly. There was a little bit of all three in that game. Coach Sark's thoughts on those things as well. Also at halftime, it's all things Longhorns in the NFL. We did a huge game for Bijan on Sunday for the now 2-0 Atlanta Falcons. Incredible punt block by a former Longhorn and why the hell have not the Jets signed Colt McCoy yet? I still haven't figured that out. We'll talk about it coming up at halftime. Third quarter, we drill down on the Texas defense that through three games is the best and most consistent unit on this Texas football team. They're playing at an elite level. We'll Sark on that as well. And in our fourth quarter, it's our final four. The big debates and questions coming out of the third big weekend of college football and Mike's trip to the University of Houston for TCU 
Houston. Yes. Houston. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mike. Uh, we'll kick it off with our first quarter. It's brought to you by our friend Dr. Greg Eckert and his Brain Vault technology. Play hard, but play, play safe with the orthotic. It's not a mouthpiece. It's an orthotic that's called Brain Vault. We'll tell you about that coming up. But, Mike, your overall impressions of a 31-10 Texas win. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't pretty, but Wyoming's one of those football teams that that makes it ugly. And even without their starting quarterback, you know, this is a team that beat Texas Tech. That that was kind of my take, right? Is like I, I feel like, uh, and we kind of gave a lot of crap to Texas Tech for losing that football game. But Wyoming's a good team. Craig Bowles a good coach, right? Uh, he was where Chris Kleiman. He kind of built the program. Chris Kleiman took over and won a national championship for at the FCS he level. Won four so, or five national championships, right? right? So the dude can coach. Uh, that's a big, tough football team. Coming off that Alabama win, you knew that they were going to have a little bit of a dip. That's just hard to get back up and, and play as well as you did against Alabama a week later. Against a team that on tape isn't going to scare you too much. Um, you know, and the defense played really well. You know, the offense, you know, kind of kind of lollygagged their way into it. And the fourth quarter exploded when they kind of remembered they had the better athletes. But, you know, we've talked about a few times here. The defense is what travels, right? Like, they're going to have some C-plus games occasionally, and you hope you can win those. They had one of those on Saturday. They ended up winning by 21. You move on to the next week. Yep, and you're up to number three now because the game was on the Longhorn Network, which means most nationally couldn't get it and couldn't right. see it. <laughs> they just see the score. They just saw the score. Oh, they won again, 21 points. Texas yeah. is pretty good. And Florida State won by two over Boston College on the road. So Longhorns flip into the number three spot behind Georgia and Michigan. Uh, Longhorn fans are like, what? We jumped up? What? Do I, I watched the game. They weren't that great. Well, right. But look, but we'll get to the growth of this Texas program. I thought that was a, a step forward win for Texas, and I'll tell you why. Uh, we'll also hear Sark on the offense and the struggles with the passing game. Uh, also, um, Jonathan Brooks, breakout performance in the absence of C.J. Baxter. But as you said, the defense played great. They gave up a 62-yard run on the first series. Uh, where they, you know, looks like Vernon Broughton got twisted out of his gap. Anthony Hill Jr., the freshman who started at Mike Linebacker, or the Will Linebacker spot, missed his gap. Uh, and so it was open. Then Jaron Thompson, I thought, took a bad angle. And it was, you know, all three mistakes led to a explosive that the Longhorns haven't given up much this year. So a touchdown run. That running back also, I think that the the quarterback was new, right? They prepared all week for Andrew Peasley, the sixth-year quarterback who runs more than he throws. And all of a sudden, you got this big six-five Josh Allen-looking dude back there flinging it. And wearing the uh, same number too. Yeah, wearing the same number, and a and a running back who you haven't seen either because he had been hurt the first two weeks. He transferred in for Northern Illinois. So Longhorns little little on their heels for that game, and then the Al- natural Alabama letdown, where we just beat Alabama. We're pretty badass, and uh, oh wait, this team's coming to play. They're out there pretty good. Bunch of veteran players. 17 returning starters, and they punched them in the face. So it's 7 nothing. Texas. Started as good as Wyoming could have had it. Uh, but for the rest of the game, and we'll get into this when we drill down on the defense in our third quarter, we only give up three points and 225 yards the rest of the way. A lot of punts. Pick six for Jaron Thompson. So let's start with the highlights. Uh, the first touchdown for Texas, actually the first points came after a, an Xavier Worthy punt return that because um, the offense wasn't doing much. They were sputtering. Because uh, Sark, as we talked about last week on the multicast and on our game preview, you know the weakness of Wyoming is their secondary. Their front seven is solid. Their linebackers are really good. Their front group, coached by Oscar Giles, are going to give you some trouble. So let's try to attack it with a passing game. Well, Quinn yours was off. The receivers were off. It was just not good. We'll hear Sark talking about that here in a minute. But uh, So you didn't do much. You did get the long punt return after the defense clamped down, and uh, that set up a field goal. Then Texas got the ball in in the second quarter and went on a 17-play drive, 17-play drive, where they ran the ball, featured Jonathan Brooks a lot, and we'll talk more about Jonathan throughout the night, uh, and Savion Red, Mike. The, the Red Cat package, where that's now it looks like a new fourth down play for them. Savion Red, who played quarterback in high school. You can tell me where, because I don't know. He also uh, 
Played receiver last year. Now he's a running back. Now he looks like a wildcat quarterback. He picked up two four, big fourth downs on that series. So the Longhorns go 17 plays. They go, uh, you know, eight or nine minutes off the clock. Finally dedicate to the run game. Keep themselves ahead of the chains on down and distance. And it wrapped up. They go to a jumbo package. They showed a lot of new things in this game that we haven't seen. The, the Savion Red package. They And Byron Murphy in a jumbo. Byron Murphy, the big defensive tackle, who's playing like an all-Big 12 All-American caliber player right now. He's playing fullback. But how about this? Let's play this highlight from the Longhorn Network. They actually threw it to the big man, who Sark says has some of the best hands on the team. They're going to go to Murphy! The oh, big boy! Byron Murphy! All right, so there's the first touchdown of the game. Longhorns have 10 points on the board. They go to the half at 10-7. to 7. What did uh, you make of the Savion Red? What high school did he go to? Yeah, that's a great question. He went to South Grand Prairie. South Grand Prairie. Yeah. Uh, good player. And so, you know, Sark had to break out some things maybe he wasn't ready to show the Big 12 yet. They, you know, because Wyoming went to that three-high safety defense that we've seen a lot that gives Sark and Quinn Ewers a lot of trouble. Gives a lot of quarterbacks a lot of trouble. And, you know, Sark was still trying to throw into that three-high safety defense, and which is a confusing defense for where you have three safeties and you can bring multiple people from multiple ways. And uh, finally, he just settled down and said, let's run the ball. Let's run the ball. Yeah, I kind of took it the other way. I think he wanted to put that on tape, you know, to, to, you to, to, you know, you only get 12, 20 hours of practice time, right? You want to put as much out there as possible to keep them, um, you know, guessing and to make them do different stuff. So, you know, I, I think it was smart. I mean, we heard about him all, all offseason of what he can do. He sacrificed kind of his normal position and, and made a, a made a move, and you want to reward that. I think the same thing with Byron Murphy. If he's going to line up and be your blocker guy every time and do all that dirty work, you know, throw him a bone here and there, right? And so uh, it's good to put that on tape to make the defense think about that. Uh, and then go back to your bread and butter and what you're going to do. But there's going to be time. I, I think one of the things we know about Quinn Ewers at this point is there's going to be days where he's off. He's going to have some days like he had against Wyoming uh, when you're able to find a different way to win. And I know Sark talked about that. When you're able to find multiple ways to win, you don't have to win just one way, uh, that's the sign of a really good football team because there's not a lot of those out there. There aren't. There aren't. Heck, Georgia was down 14-3 at the half to yeah. South Carolina this week. You mentioned Florida State. Florida State struggled. I mean, yeah. um, there's not know, any great teams. It's a strange year. We'll talk about it in our fourth quarter, the big picture of college football. It doesn't look like there's a dominant team. There's not a team that's just head and shoulders like 2020 or 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama, uh, gosh, or even Georgia the last couple of years. Even look, They look vulnerable with a new quarterback. Uh, so 10-7 at the half. Longhorn fans are murmuring a little bit. Second half started with Texas having the ball, and they moved into Wyoming territory, but ended with a sack of Quinn Ewers right up the middle. Sark actually took blame for that afterwards, said his play calls were bad there. He blames himself, uh, which I like Sark will do that. He's like, man, I screwed that up. I, you know, This was right after the game. He said, I, I, those were bad. We should have executed better there. I put Quinn in a bad spot, took a sack. So they punt, and the punt team, the special teams, was really good again. They punt Wyoming back to the two-yard line. Well, here goes Craig Bowles' team. On their own 17-play drive, they take up nearly 11 minutes on the clock. They silence the crowd. They converted third down after third down. But they had to settle for a field goal. But still, you look up, it's 10-10, to and the third quarter's almost over because they gobbled <laughs> up. They did exactly what they wanted to do. We talked about it last week in our preview. They want to shorten this game, choke the clock, limit Texas possessions, which they did. Uh, and so the third quarter is nearly over that by that point. I would say on the final play of the third quarter, Jonathan Brooks took off on a big like 20-yard uh, run. And I thought that carried over into halftime. And then into the fourth quarter, if you were part of the 105,000 at the stadium, they had a big LED light show, a drone show. And, Mike, they played ACDC's Thunderstruck. Mm -hmm. And they featured the new LED lights for the first game since it was a night game. And it went crazy. Nolan Hogan, our digital producer, you were there. 
Uh, pretty intense moment because the Texas sidelines went crazy. The recruits all loved it. That was a big moment in the game. Yeah, it was cool. I think um, there was every, everybody there was expecting the orange LEDs on the field where they're all excited for that. And then you look up to your left or wherever you're standing, the north you side. see the north side of the end zone, and you see this uh, LED tower come out of the sky, and you're like, what is that? And then they start moving, and they make the horns up, and then... Bevo. Then, then Bevo. It's, it was awesome. It was a really cool experience. So the crowd got hype, and Thunderstruck is one of those songs that'll hit right, yeah, yeah. and you're all of a sudden pumped. Well, the Longhorns responded. Quinn mm-hmm. Ewers, you could see him on the sidelines on the TV broadcast. He's getting everybody pumped up. They're pumped up. Uh, and it began with a quick strike to X-Man, X-Worthy, who is proving to be the big play player. He had big punt returns in this game. We saw him against the Rice Owls come out and really be the spark in the third quarter when the Longhorns erupted. Here was the X-Man touchdown. It was about a you know 15-yard pass, <laughs> you know, no, no yardage on the field to X-Man, who made one guy miss and then hit the Jets. Back, solid carries, quick toss, and Xavier Worthy, Worthy oh, is still clear. out! The Bombers, the sideline, he's tough, he's fast, he's Xavier Worthy. Yeah, right down the sideline, stayed inbounds, touchdown, X-Man. So it's 14, it's now 17-7. After a quick three and out by the defense, Mike, six-play, 75-yard drive, Quinn Ewers capped it with his legs. It's the third time this year he scored and kept the ball on his own read in the in the uh, red zone, the high red zone. Here it was with Quinn to the house. Touch early in the game, the first touchdown for the Longhorns. Ewers now behind the block for Christian Jones, Pater, Quinn Ewers. All right, so there's your uh, second touchdown in a row. So now it's 24-10, and then the game got separated big time with Texas and the defensive side of the ball. Jade Barron was the player of the game, but Jaron Thompson who I thought Wyoming targeted a little bit. This is going to be something to watch moving forward. Jaron Thompson in coverage, they exposed him a little bit in this game. But finally, the veteran player, Jaron Thompson, said, you know what, I'm jumping this route. They're not getting this on me again. They've been beating me to the outside, outside the hash mark with this throw, and I'm going to beat it. He jumped it, and here was uh, Jaron Thompson with the defensive play of the game. Harrison Whaley has given them a completely different look. They're picked up! Give him six! A pick six! Jaron Thompson! Back-to-back touchdown. So now 21 points. Third game already in three games. They've had 21-point quarters in all three. And against Alabama, it was 21-8 to eight in the fourth quarter. Against Rice, it was a 21-point third quarter that separated the game. And in this one, it was a 21-point fourth quarter that ended the game. And they were driving again when Jaden Blue fumbled the ball in the fourth quarter. It might have been 38-10. I mean, they might, the, the big gamblers were like, oh, man, they might cover this thing after all, which was interesting. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, when you can play defense like that, you can score points with your defense, and they're going to number one in the ESPN metric of defensive efficiency right now. And then you can score 21 points in a quarter real quickly. You don't have to be good the whole game. We used to see the Golden State Warriors do this in the NBA. Uh, you used to see, you know, we see teams who just can explode on you. And all of a sudden, you feel like you're right in the game, and then, oh my gosh, what just happened? Now we're getting blown out. Texas has a, a field to that where their defense is going to limit you, and then eventually their offense is going to find some plays, and next thing you know, you're, you're losing that game. Yeah, I mean, the good news is Texas is capable of those explosions. The The bad news so far is they've been capable of some really long lulls. Um, you know, second, third quarter against Bama kind of let Alabama back into that game when they probably should have been ahead by more. Early against Rice, it takes until the third quarter to really start putting something together. Again, right here, it's 10-10, to 10, you know, into the fourth quarter, like healthily into the fourth quarter, right? And so, you know, you figure one of these days, one of these games, you know, an offense is going to figure out this defense. An offense, you know, the defense can have a bad day too, right? Yep. And uh, you're going to need the offense for that. Um, you know, I, I try not to live and die with this stuff because it's college football, and I don't know if every single week builds on the other. 
um, you know, because Quinn can have a huge week the, the week before and then look pedestrian the, the next week. But I think that's the concern for Texas. Like if we take the, the bird's eye view of this thing, like Texas is capable of beating everybody on this roster when they play their A game. I don't even know if it's close, right? They're probably 10 points better than everybody on the schedule uh, when they play like they do did against Alabama. But that Alabama team's not all that good either. Right, like that's not a great Alabama team that Texas went and beat, and they're capable of playing a close game against Wyoming, of struggling a little bit against Rice, and so um, this isn't just like the Goliaths of Rod Babers's day or Vince Young, where they're just going to roll through this thing. College football is different, where every team's pretty good. We've seen this. That's that's why there's not a super team as the portal as as you know transferred um, talent across the nation. Um, but all, they're not going to be able to roll past all these teams. They're going to have to be consistent, and, and we'll, they're going to be in some dogfights like this. Like the fans that are upset that it's not sixty to three, like those days are over. Like this is what it's going to be week in and week out. And if they can explode and have these kind of second halves, that's going to be the difference. Well, remember Wyoming had seventeen returning starters, ten on defense, a bunch of fifth and sixth year players, and that's what you're talking about. Got a bunch of veteran dudes that have played a lot of football. They're not going to be intimidated and get pushed around by Texas. Uh, And, you know, but to win by 21 comfortably when it's all said and done, however you got there, impressive. Because we know last year they were not a fourth-quarter team. Right. They were a three-quarter team who fell apart in the fourth quarter even two years ago. Now they've learned to be a fourth-quarter team and be clutch when they need to. They can put that all together and get faster starts. It's here, Sark. A couple of cuts here on our first quarter on the Eyes on Texas multicast presented by Grande Equipment. Uh, here is Sark agreeing that uh, they continue to be a work in progress, but versatility is their strength. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. I've been talking a lot about this with the team, that you know we can win games a, a multitude of ways, and I thought uh, I thought Saturday night kind of showed that. You know We were really sound on special teams. You know We got two explosive returns out of Worthy in the punt return game. Sanborn punted the ball extremely well. Our kickoff coverage unit, you know, continues to be just tremendous. You know, they brought one out. We tackled the returner down inside the 15-yard line. Uh, so that, that's been a real positive of ours. And I know sometimes we're always looking for the wow plays with the blocks and things, but we've been very steady uh, on special teams. I thought that our field goal unit was good uh, with their opportunities that they had. So I've been proud of that unit. They, they showed up Saturday night. Uh, you know, I think. All right, so there's Sark. Uh, versatility. They can beat you a lot of ways. Um, you know, last year kind of depended on Roshan and Bijan and making some plays. This year they can beat you offensively, defensively, and special teams. Feels like it's going to make important plays this year too. Here's to your point, Mike, about offensive efficiency. That they can explode on you, but they need to be more consistent offensively. Here's Sark on the explosiveness of this team, the ex- explosivity, but then the slow starts and the inconsistency with the offense. Here's Sark on what work needs to be done as they head into conference play. One, we're a better team when we're really efficient on first down. And, and that's probably true for everybody. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but when we're good on first down, generally we almost avoid third downs uh, because first, second down, first, second down, first, second down. But also when you win on first down, it gives you much more manageable third downs to win with. And you know, when we get ourselves in trouble is when we, we, we put ourselves in third and long situations. And, and right now, that's just not quite a strength of ours. We need to get it to become a strength of ours, but we're not quite there yet. So we need to be really efficient on early downs. And when we can do, we can create some momentum that way. And we can really start sequencing plays in a manner to where the guys understand what's coming next and what's coming next. And so, um, you know, again, that, that's why our base game plan is so important to us and the guys understand it and understand our openers. Um, 
I touched on it the other night. You know, we, we're, we're so proud of what we're doing in the fourth quarter right now and from where we were the last two years. It's great. But, man, we got to get back to being a really good team that starts fast and starts well and owns that game plan, which is something that was kind of a, uh, a trademark of ours for the first couple of years. So that's going to be a big point of emphasis this week of, of make sure we get back to owning the game plan and, and being efficient earlier in the game and not having to wait uh, till the fourth quarter. All right, there's Sark. Uh, everything we just talked about be better for four quarters. They can get there with this defense, Mike, and we're going to drill down on the offensive and defensive strengths and weaknesses from the Wyoming game. Um, this can be a really good team. And as you said, there's not a there's not a dominant team in college football. There's no one that looks unbeatable right now. And as uh, you know, Rod Babers and I talked about this morning here in Austin on the Horn, it's a work in progress. All teams are a work in progress. You're not a finished product, and you want to be peaking. You know, if you're Texas, you'd like to be peaking in about three weeks against Oklahoma and then build beyond that from your bye week. But uh, that's the goal is to keep getting better, and they're, they've won three games by double digits so far. And you don't need the style points. You know, if Texas wins the Big 12 and goes 11-1 and or 12-0 and and then wins the Big 12 Conference Championship game, that's going to be good enough to get them in there. And so you know, whether they're, they're winning by 40 points and it looks great or they're winning by 21 points and, and maybe the fans aren't as excited about the first three quarters, like that's good enough for this Texas team. They just have to win in advance. That's a game that Texas used to lose. Yeah. Like that that's the type of game that in the fourth quarter everybody is not just like worried that they haven't played well, but worried that they're gonna win the football game. I never thought that they were gonna lose. Like I, no. I never I never thought that Texas was losing that football game. And just that change, if I have that change in my in my mental uh you know, outlook on this team, I'd imagine so do they. And so, you know, I think in in that moment that that's a big part uh, for this football team as well. No question about that. And so uh, update from Sark from today as we look at the uh, uh, cruising altitude view of this win, 31-10 to 10, Texas. Did suffer a couple injuries. Cole Hudson left the game in the first half and landed awkwardly, got rolled up on the right guard. He is listed as three to four weeks, according to Sark. He's going to miss some time, and they hope he's back for the Oklahoma game. If not, he won't play there, and they'll get him the bye week and probably for the Houston game beyond that in uh, later October. And Chris Ross, the freshman from North Shore, who's been playing so well off the edge, he also suffered a leg injury. Uh, Sark said the same thing. Not season-ending, but probably three to four weeks. It'll be touch and go whether they can play in the Red River game or not. Also, Sark did say this weekend's the real season begins. Baylor, not a great team. No, they're two and one. They're one and two. They struggled with Long Island this week, and the big news from Baylor today, Mike, is that uh, according to Dave Aranda, Blake Shapin won't be playing. Uh, their starting quarterback got hurt in that loss week one to Texas State. Um, he's not ready. He's not ready. Uh, so they're going back up, and that's 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 a struggle against this defense with that offense and the quarterback play. Uh, Sawyer Robinson is their QB. This is big advantage Texas, even though you're in Waco. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, what Baylor can do right now is run the football and what Texas is best at is stopping that. And so, you know, it, it's hard to see where Baylor comes up with the explosive plays to, to win this football game. They're going to need it to win it the way Wyoming tried to keep it close, right? As you look down and it's 10 to 10 in the fourth quarter and you see if you get a ball to bounce your yeah. way. But uh, Texas has way too many athletes and Baylor doesn't have the ways to score points. All right. Uh, so our first quarter is brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Greg Eckert, and my brand new pearly white smile that uh, was restored by Dr. Eckert, 27 years here in Austin. But right now, in addition to his dentistry, which is the best in central Texas, he's also pushing and working with the Brain Vault technology, which is a game changer for all young athletes here in central Texas. What, what started in the NFL has now become something your youngster, your young athlete playing football or lacrosse or cheerleading, any context where soccer can take advantage of. Brain Vault is a locally grown business. 
It is an orthotic. It's not a mouthpiece. It's an orthotic. It's custom made for your mouth and your jawline. Uh, it's got uh, the, the physical therapy department at Texas State has researched it. It's irrefutable evidence. How about this? For eight, over eight years now, Dr. Eckert's partner in Brain Vault is a, an agent in the NFL for almost 30 years, Drew Pittman. He's had his, his players, his clients, wearing the Brain Vault technology for the last eight years. Over 100 players, zero concussions reported. Zero. And it's the way it lines up your jawline, strengthens your neck muscles. So when you make that moment of contact, that moment of collision, uh, the, the mouthpiece and the orthotic embraces it. Your neck is in the right position. It really is a, a technology that's been provable and researched. Vandergriff High School here in town, Lake Travis, Anderson, Regents, Hyde Park. Uh, Phil Dawson's son, Phil Dawson, of course, who kicked, kicked to Texas. He coaches at Hyde Park now. His son is wearing one and the whole team there at Hyde Park. Uh, also in the Big 12, Texas Tech. Uh, Baylor, others are starting to take this on, going to the NFL, as we said, it started in the NFL. So Brain Vault is tremendous. And all you have to do is get your young athlete fitted because you got to be fitted for it. You can't just buy this off the shelf. you got to talk to the director, set up a fitting. They'll fit it for your young athlete in their mouth and their jawline. You go to BrainVault.com. It's all one word. It's Brain Vault Technology. Uh, it's taking their technology using the NFL now into a smaller retail version of that mouth guard and orthotic. Your young athlete can play hard but play safe at brainvault.com. Set up your fitting for your young athlete or your team. If you're a coach out there, the entire team can be fitted. If you're a local here in Central Texas, they'll they'll you know get your set up quickly. If they need to come to you in Houston or Dallas or San Antonio, they'll do that. Just set up your appointment at brainvault.com. All right, time for our second quarter. It's brought to you by Carlos Carrion, thetexasmortgageguy.com. That's thetexasmortgageguy.com. It's a deep dive look at the Texas offense. We talked about it, Mike, 10-10 at the start of the fourth quarter. Uh, the offense sputtering, and Sark will tell you, the offense, the, the passing game was not good. They tried to uh, set the tempo with the passing game like they did against Alabama, but they really just needed the running game and the defense to win this game. Here's Sark that everything within the passing game right now needs to get better as they head into conference play to start our second quarter. I think just every aspect of the passing game needs to improve. You know, it just we felt like we just weren't we weren't as sharp. You know, we had a protection breakdown in there. Um, didn't have the best play calls predicated on what the coverages were. I think Quinn could have could have probably made a couple throws that he normally would make. So everybody kind of took their turn, and that's again that's not to make excuses. We all have to be better, and and that you know again you think passing game, you think play call, and you think quarterback, and most notably you, both of us need to be better. Um, but I think everybody else needs to be better as well, and so we all got to take responsibility uh, of that. Uh, and we're going to need our passing game, as we know. And so, again, I'm not going to let one game kind of knock me off my rocker on this one. Um, we were really good throwing the ball for two weeks, especially in week two. Um, it wasn't as clean as we wanted to. The lucky part for us, we have a run game that we can lean in on, a defense that can we can count on in special teams. Um, but we'll, we'll get that fixed, and, and we'll go out and, and play much better in the passing game this week. All right, Mike, level of concern, 1-10 to 10 with Quinn. We talked about him all summer, all into the fall camp. The ceiling of this team is he and his performance week to week consistently. Um, the Longhorns have found ways to win despite that at times. What's your level of concern with Quinn, big picture? I think that's relative on what our expectations are. Uh, my concern that Quinn Ewers can lead Texas to a Big 12 championship is probably only like a three. I think he can absolutely do that. Can Quinn Ewers lead this team to a national championship? Like That's probably at a seven or eight because that's going to take – a consistency to get into the playoff that I'm not sure that Ewers has shown so far. Maybe he ends up uh, being that guy we can count in week in and week out, but so far he's shown capable of a dud or two. 
um, and Texas is going to have to overcome those. Maybe the defense has gotten good enough to where that can be true now. Um, but it wasn't true with Bajon Robinson and Roshan Johnson on the, on this, you know. So like he's going to get into road games in the Big Twelve. That's going to be tight. He's going to need to make plays down the stretch. He did that against Alabama. Can he do it week in and week out? I don't know if Texas needs him to though. Like Texas is like that Alabama game is the first time Quinn Ewers is thrown for over three hundred yards and they won. Yeah, you know, like he doesn't have to be Superman. Uh, he just needs to not mess it up. And he's gone six straight games without an interception. You know, I think that's a positive. That is on, huge. On his the turn, lack well. of turnovers with this defense is massive. Uh, Sark pointed that out today. And yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's funny that he gets up for the big games and he's really good. And then it's these games where footwork kind of reverts and. You know, he's he's uh, he needs to be a little game player in addition to a big game player. Here's Sark on Quinn specifically. Uh, what's gonna What's gonna You know, somebody asked him at the press conference today, the Monday media availability. You know, when when you realize he's only played 13 full games in college football, do you have to remind yourself of that? Here's Coach Sark. Remind myself of that, but I also know he's had two full off seasons with us. You know, two spring balls, two training camps, two summer workouts, and and player led practices. Um, he's played in some, some great environments and some big games against quality opponents. Um, so as much as I remind myself, okay, this might be a little new for him, I also know he's been in some really you know, big-time environments and has performed at the highest level in those environments and maybe some other ones not so hot, but I think he's learned from those. And so um, I trust in Quinn. Like This guy is more than capable of, of having a big-time season for us. Every game is going to go differently, you know, and, and the fact that he knows he has a team around him that he can rely on, too, that he doesn't have to make every play, I think is beneficial for, for everybody. All right, there's Sark on Quinn, and uh, don't panic. Uh, Baylor is the next competition, and Dave Aranda had, had kind of had his way with Quinn last year. If you remember, they had to settle to go to the run game in that fourth quarter with his disguise blitzes and his pressure packages. The creepers. Yeah, the creepers. Uh, you know, we'll see a lot of that in Waco because Baylor knows they've got to force some turnovers. they got to force the issue a little bit with their struggles on offense and at quarterback. One other on the positive side, we know Xavier Worthy continues to be a playmaker. A.D. Mitchell and he were the leading receivers. Um, this was a game where Texas only had 50 snaps. Wyoming choked the ball out from them. They couldn't convert third downs. Texas was bad on third down. They were 4 for 12. They think they were 0 for their first nine. And that touchdown drive in the first half, they converted a couple fourth downs, which you know helped because they couldn't convert third downs. Uh, that's got to improve. But the positive side with Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks, the uh, sophomore from Hallettsville, with C.J. Baxter, precautionary scratch, didn't play in the game. Jonathan Brooks became the bell cow. And when Sark fed him, he was great. He had a big run. He had 167 yards on 21 carries. Here's Sark afterwards on uh, the youngster breaking out, taking advantage because C.J. Baxter hurt himself in the fourth quarter of the Bama game. So who closed out that game? Here's Sark to talk about that and who picked up the ball here, took that opportunity to maybe secure the, the lead back job at Texas. Here's Sark on Jonathan Brooks. Coming into the season and Cedric kind of being that lead back for the first two games and then Cedric getting hurt against Alabama in the fourth quarter, who finished that game was Jonathan Brooks, right? Who was carrying that ball at the end to, to close that game out? I think instilled a lot of confidence in him. And then coming back uh, Saturday night, when, when CJ couldn't go and JB knew he was going to kind of be the bell cow for us, you know, he just, I think he had that confidence from the week before that he could, and it showed up. You know, I thought he played really good football for us Saturday night. Um, he feels great today. It's different when you're carrying the ball that many times. How do you feel Monday morning? Felt good today. So it's, it's, uh, it's comforting to know that, that we have that in him. 
uh, and what he's capable of. All right, Jonathan Brooks. And then when C.J. Baxter does come back, he'll maybe have a two-headed monster. I think Jaden Blue took a big step back for Texas here. He only averaged two yards a carry and fumbled when the Longhorns looked like they were moving again in the fourth quarter. That's going to be a knock. And now maybe it's there's some clarity in the running back spot where it's C.J. when he's healthy. Jonathan Brooks becoming the lead guy, showing power between the tackles. We've seen him on the edges mm-hmm. in the passing game making plays with the speed. You know, according to Pro Football Focus, Mike, he led the nation enforced missed tackles in this game with 10. Uh, he was shifty. He was elusive. He was powerful when he needs to be. Good player. Yeah, and he's been in the weight room for a few years where Baxter hadn't. You know, I mean, he got he got dinged up against Rice, uh, dinged up against Alabama, didn't play against Wyoming. You know, Brooks has been around for a while. Now, think of what Jonathan Brooks has stepped into. Uh, you know, he was a 3A football player. I mean, he didn't. He played both ways. He was playing, you know, 100 snaps, you know, playing against small competition was the best Carried player. Carried them to the state title game, yeah, too. Kind of like, but, like uh, Jordan Winnington did for Quero. Yes, exactly. Yeah, pretty much the similar thing. And they're, they're cousins, I believe, actually. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, then he arrives at Texas. He goes from 3A Hallettsville to the University of Texas in the middle of Austin. And not only you're not the best player on the field, like you have Bajon Robinson and Roshaw Johnson. <laughs> Generational in, players. Yeah, in your running back room. And then as soon as it's your turn, here comes Mr. Five-Star, number one running back in the nation, C.J. Baxter, you know, with all his just natural God-given ability. Bijan haircut. And, right, and you're like, what, is, what the hell? Like, this is supposed to be my time. And instead of going and sulking in a corner or quitting or transferring or doing whatever you can do uh, these days in college football, the kid just stayed ready and when it was his turn, he goes and runs for 160-something yards. Like, that's, that's the culture you're trying to get to. And, well, and those are the stories that should make Texas fans excited about the future of this program, agreed. like in the short term and in the long term. Well, and Sark did say today, in addition to what you just heard him say, that you know he followed two great mentors in mm-hmm. Bijan and Roshan because Roshan's the great example too. I, I was amazed he never transferred. He's mm-hmm. playing with the best running back Texas had since Ricky Williams, and he didn't. He could have gone anywhere and yeah. been a starting running back, but he didn't. Uh, and he was a team leader in addition to being a backup running back. Pretty impressive, and it sounds like it feels like Jonathan Brooks is kind of taking that same mantra: just be a leader. Some and, of that's coach too, like Tashad Choice. You know, yeah, like step that, into your opportunity. That room, well, is that's coached good, really well. And you're right, didn't sulk, and then when the opportunity presented itself, embraced it and grabbed it. Uh, all right, that's your second quarter offense. Thirty-one points. They did twenty-one in the fourth. Uh, when it's time for a new mortgage or refi, always do look uh, when you're looking for an expert in the field. There are a lot of them, but there's no one better than Carlos Carrion, my buddy, and uh, our great founding partner, thetexasmortgageguy.com. He's also a diehard Longhorn fan, so you can uh, while you're getting your refi done or getting that mortgage for your new home or a rental property you want to buy. It just makes sense to work with someone who has like minds and talk football and talk Longhorns. Carlos has been in Austin his entire life, diehard Longhorn fan from birth. Uh, he's tremendous and uh, going on a decade in the industry. Not here to just to provide you with a quote, but to be your guide, your roadmap to help solve problems, strategize one of the most important financial decisions to your li- in your life. Uh, our executive producer, Griffin Hogan, just became a homeowner buying a house out there in Elgin. Uh, and, you know, it's it's guys like Carlos Carey on the TexasMortgageGuy.com who make that happen and help folks get into those homes and solve those problems. It's still a great time to buy. I know interest rates are high. That's it. But it's an investment you'll be so thankful you made five, ten years down the road, even with the high interest rates, if you can make it happen. Let Carlos be your man. Uh, great guy. Get right back to you. Great communicator. Fast response times at the TexasMortgageGuy.com. That's the TexasMortgageGuy.com. All right, we'll get to our third quarter coming up. The Texas defense, the most elite and most consistent uh, unit on the Texas football team here in the Eyes on Texas multicast. But halftime, it's NFL and uh, big recruiting weekend, Mike, before we get to some NFL numbers from the weekend from Sunday in the National Football League. Uh, Colin Simmons was there. Uh, Ryan Wingo. I mean, they had a bunch of 2024 and 2025 recruits in town. 
Uh, it does seem to line up for me when their big recruiting weekend, Sark's game plans aren't – there's something there. There's something where Sark's trying to focus on, on. Yeah, he's trying to deal with a lot, and maybe the game – we saw it with TCU last year and Iowa State. Kansas. What's that? Kansas. Kansas. Where I think it, I think it's one of those things, and I don't know. This is kind of anecdotal, but I, you know, he already has two jobs being the offensive coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So like, I think those those big moments is when you kind of start like you get pulled in too many different directions. Yes. Maybe. Um, yeah, I can see that. I wonder if he would answer that honestly, or if he would. Yeah, I wonder. You know, be like, ah, oh, no, it's not going to be. Well, it just seems like when that that's going on, there's distractions that lead to a. It's always going to be going on though. Yeah, like, that's, you got to. It's that's the lifeblood life of your the, program, right? And and if you're you're trying to compete with Georgia and NFL. Alabama. I'm about to be the NFL. Like that's that's you, you got to get over that. You got to figure that out. You do. And AJ Milwee, maybe Kyle Flood take some responsibilities those weeks and delegate a little bit because you know you got to be, you know, you're a politician at that point. You got to be glad handed. You got to be meeting parents. Yeah. You know, doing that thing, especially on a night game, the day turns into a lot of recruits and. You know, there's a lot going on there. But big recruiting weekend, by all accounts, went great. We'll see if there's some, you know, apparently Colin Simmons, the kid out of Duncanville, was doing a lot of recruiting for Texas, trying to be the sticky recruit they hope he is, mm-hmm. bringing others with him. Ryan, Ryan Wingo is the big one to watch. Uh, Nolan Hogan, our digital producer, who was at the game and told us about that digital LED show. He also looked at the show in the NFL. How the, how the Longhorns do in the league on Sunday? Not too bad. You know, we all heard about B. John Robinson's huge game, first career 100-yard game, uh, 124 yards rushing, 48 pat- receiving yards. He uh, broke he, on one carry where he ran for 23 yards. He broke three Green Bay Packers ankles. Yeah, three. He's good. It's ridiculous. I mean, it was a pitch sweep. And the we first co- guy went. I mean, the, the, not only did they not, they didn't touch him. We saw this in college football. I think okay, these are college guys. Now it's professionals, and Green Bay's got a pretty good defense. Defensive tackle whiffed the safety coming up to fill the gap. Didn't even touch him as he cut back, and then made another dude miss about ten yards down the field. It didn't even touch him, and uh, he's special. I mean, he's got some Barry Sanders special sauce to him. His balance is generational. Yeah, and like you said, we coughed at that when he did this here at the forty. Yeah, we almost just went. Oh, that was another Bijan play. Well, and and I know when he got drafted by the Falcons, we talked about it. No coach, maybe in the NFL, maybe except for Kyle Shanahan, is more positioned to weaponize him in that Atlanta Falcons offense. Arthur Smith, who coached Derrick Henry at Tennessee, he is going to weaponize that running game and use him as an absolute ultimate. Well, it's like what the Cowboys do with Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. It's just don't pigeonhole him into one thing. Just make him a stress on the defense, which then opens it up for that whole offense. They're two and zero. Yeah, two and zero. In Atlanta, where else did we see in the NFL? Uh, Roshan had himself a small, a little day: thirty-four yard rushing yards, ten receiving, no touchdowns this week. So, Bear fan, stink. fantasy owners uh, disappointed. Well, um, Justin Fields has not progressed; he still doesn't see the field very good. But Roshan's going to be a good player. Yes, uh, Brennan Schooler, uh, talk of the Sunday night football game. Did you see this block field goal? Yes, that was unbelievable. Unreal. He timed yeah. the snap based on the holder's breathing technique. Oh no! I, I watched the breakdown of it, but they were. That holder and punter used to be on the Patriots years ago. So they knew it. They knew that every time he would look at look back at the kicker and then breathe, the snap's coming. Well, like we see uh, X-Man worthy. If you haven't seen this play, you'll see it, I'm sure, but going viral. Like X-Man's on the fly sweep, right? And when the ball snapped, he's already off at full speed. Mm-hmm. Brennan Schooler came from the, the sideline down the line, and as soon as the ball was snapped, he timed it perfectly, got around the corner, and blocked a field goal. And it really changed the game. Yeah. Uh, because it was 17-3 at the time in the third quarter, New England went and scored and made it 17-10. Dolphins still won the game, but it was a big play by the former Longhorn. And we all knew, we I, all saw when he saw him at uh, at Texas, of course he's going to play in the National Football League, Brennan Schooler. I can't believe they revealed that tell. 
Like that's one of those ones you just keep in your pocket. Well, you it was it use. wasn't a Patriots breakdown, but it was a, I think it was a Pat McAfee breakdown. Okay, yeah. Pat McAfee broke it down. Nah. Yeah. Come on, McAfee. Yeah. Okay. Well, then anybody else have big games for the uh, NFL? Another Longhorn in the same game, Deshaun Elliott for the Dolphins had four tackles, three solo, and a fumble recovery in the game. Uh, Jordan Hicks for Minnesota played against Philadelphia had eleven tackles, eight solo. Our boy Quandre Diggs versus Detroit had five, Quandre the Giant baby five total tackles, three solo. Um, Justin Tucker, our boy, three, uh, two for three on field goals. Longest was forty-four. Missed one. Missed one. Come on, man. Come on, Tuck. He, well, he's got to prove that he's human occasionally. <laughs> yes. Or they're gonna test him. And uh, last but not least, our boy, little Jordan Humphrey, one reception and for four yards against Washington in that crazy Denver game. Yeah, with the hail mary at the end. I'm glad Jordan Hicks has become a good pro because he he was like one of the more like underutilized like. That's when you knew development and coaching was a problem at the University of Texas. Is when like that dude yeah, wasn't like him out of winning Lombardi, right? Yeah. Like when that guy didn't turn into what he was supposed to be. Is like that's not a Jordan Hicks thing. That's a you thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Thirty thirty plus Longhorns in the NFL. And I'll ask the question again: Why the hell have the Jets not signed Colt McCoy? Are you making some money off the Colt McCoy? I'm trying. I'm just like <laughs> I'm watching Zach Wilson. I know he's playing the Cowboys, oh and they're God. good, but yeah. they're great. But still, Colt Colt is better than Zach Wilson. That's probably true. And you know, come on. Um, what are you doing? He's available. He's right. ready to go. Colt McCoy, bring him in. Make a game. trade. Do something. Uh, okay. Uh, that's poor, uh, poor your Gary halftime. Wilson. Thank you, Nolan. Great stuff. Our presenter of halftime is One Source Gas of Austin uh, in Central Texas. They are your compressed gas leader. One Source Gas provides compressed gases such as CO2, nitrogen, oxygen, propane, and many more to various industries throughout Central Texas and throughout the great state. They are your leader in CO2 uh, for the service and hospitality industry. If you've got bar taps and a bar and a restaurant, you need that CO2 every single day, no doubt about that. Hospitality industry, also serving the medical industry and industrial industry as well. One Source Gas is locally owned and operated. It's a great team. Uh, they're the best. Huge Longhorn fans over 12 years. They understand that exceptional customer service is a key to your success from providing their products to help run your business. And that's a daily thing. I mean, if you run out, that's that's a problem. You can't pull the bar taps. Uh, and if you've got a provider that's not delivering like you should, go with Richard and his team at One Source Gas. Uh, that's how they've grown like they have, from a small group to a, the large group that's expanding into San Antonio and San Marcos and beyond because they just do it better. Uh, whether you're a bar owner, a restaurant, dental office, or veterinary clinic, have a business that uses compressed gas on the daily or weekly looking for a new provider one source gas atx.com is the website that's one source gas atx.com or call richard and his team 214-8484 that's 214-8484 one of their staff members will be glad to help you with your compressed gas needs all right that's halftime brought to you by one source gas third quarter delivered by the good times and great incredible scratch comfort food at hay city store and ice house they use one source gas for their beer taps on their 52 four beers on the, the ice house and indoors. They got all kinds of beer taps for the great beers and the cold drinks at Hay City Store. They use one source gas. You should too. Uh, let's drill down to the most consistent and best unit on this Texas team right now. As we said, ESPN has them ranked number one, just ahead of Clemson and their defe- defensive efficiency ranks. And uh, what's making this defense so good? Mike, what are you seeing? Then we'll hear from Sark. This defense is playing really good at all levels. They got pushed a little bit to start the game, gave up that 62 yard run, but then. Just clamp down on Wyoming. They score three points the rest of the way. Yeah, I think it starts in the interior when you can not only have the high-level talent of their starters but be able to roll in three, four, five deep up there. I mean, that gives that offensive line no break at all. You know, even after allowing that that first, you know, big run, I don't think I think like the three other next four drives they didn't even allow twenty yards. Yeah, you know, the, like the, just the ability to kind of like lock in, shut down, and not have a real week. I think they have one real 
kind of like honey hole gimme spot, right? And that's like Jaron Thompson man to man in coverage. Yeah, like that that that's really the concern there. Uh, but other other than that, um, you know, they can do pretty much anything that they want to do defensively. Yeah, and that first sixty two yard run was again Anthony Hill took the wrong gap, which young freshmen are going to do. But Vernon Broughton, who was in the game early, which was interesting that he was starting the game, got pushed. And then Jaron Thompson, I thought he took a bad angle on that. And his lack of speed shows up. Yeah, he's just not a sprinter. Quite a bit. And so you wonder if they're going to try to get more speed at that spot, whether it's Keaton Crawford, who's one of their faster players, Derek Williams, the freshman out of Louisiana, the five-star. He's getting more and more time. Jalen Catalan's back there. I agree with you. That's the one spot you see. Let's hear Sark praising his defense, talking about that unit, number one in defensive efficiency in the country after three games. We're, we're playing together, right? I think our communication is, is as good as it's been since, uh, since I've been here. And so that's, that starts with your safeties. That starts with your kind of inside linebackers, making sure everybody's on the same page. And so, you know, for the most part, we don't have catastrophic busts, right? Whether it's in coverage or in the run game. I, I know the one run spit out the other day. Um, but that was for a, kind of, in my opinion, a variety of things. But um, I think that communication has been helpful. I, I think, too, their understanding of why we're calling what we're calling and PK, what he's calling and, and what we're trying to defend. Um, three, I like the way the effort that we're playing with. I think we are getting to the football. We're populating the ball. We're tackling really well. And ultimately, we're affecting the quarterback. And, you know, what a, you know in a game that was kind of heavy run-driven and, and the ball getting out of the quarterback's hand, the one time we had an op, you know, Baron Sorrell with a big sack there late in the ball game. So I think all those things add up to we're playing a style of football that's fast, that's aggressive, that's physical, and it's smart. And so if we can keep going down that path, we're going to be okay. At all levels, uh, with David Benda's improvement at linebacker next to uh, – I think the best defensive player, maybe the best linebacker in the, in the country, and Jalen Ford, who played another good game on Saturday. Let's hear Sark on the pass rush. That was a big question all summer into the offseason, Mike, of who was going to bring the pass rush. And he mentioned Baron Sorrells with the sack. We saw Ethan Burke and Anthony Hill at Alabama. It's different guys. It's coming interior. It's coming edge. Uh, and here's something Sark likes is it's not just one guy. You're not focusing on one player that, that, that can sack the quarterback. They've got multiple guys uh, coming from a lot of places. Here's Sark on that pass rush. Like everybody, wondering where were we going to get that pressure from on the quarterback, right? Uh, we knew a year ago that we applied pressure on the quarterback, but we didn't get the numbers in getting him on the ground. Um, and I, I think it's a real credit to to you know Coach Bo and to PK in being creative in their ways to to get pressure on the quarterback and trusting the depth that we have on that defensive line. And now to think we're getting it from a variety of people, and whether it's the interior defensive line with Sweat and, and Murphy and Alfred Collins and, and Vernon and that crew, or you get to the edge position with, with Ethan Burke, um, Baron Sorrell, getting him one the other night. We've been using Chris Ross more. Justice Finkley's been showing up. And then you know the, the utilization of, of Anthony Hill, that, that ability to play depth and letting guys rush the passer fresh, I think has been helpful. Where a year ago, some guys were on that field for a lot of snaps. And then it came down to critical third downs and they just didn't have enough juice in their tank to, to go to get the quarterback on the ground. There may have been pressure, we couldn't get them on the ground. So now I think we are reaping the benefits of a rotation on the defensive front to, uh, to apply pressure on the quarterback and ultimately get them on the ground. Great point by Sark right there. The depth is allowing – they're playing a lot of people. So come fourth quarter time, their best pass rushers are fresh. And that's the critical moments of the football game. That comes with additional talent, adding pieces, 
recruiting, uh, but it does help because if one guy's trying to rush the passer the whole game by the fourth quarter, he's done. Yeah, it's easier to play 40 snaps than 60, Yeah, uh, obviously. And it also kind of lights a fire in your butt because you know you can lose your spot pretty quick. You yeah. know, like another guy comes out and has a two- or three-set game, and, and you're on the bench. And so uh, you know, I, I think the competitiveness is back in that roster of, you know, you look behind you, and that's also a really good football player, and the difference may just be opportunity, and you don't want to let yours pass. I think we saw that with Anthony Hill. He mm-hmm. missed that run, that run fit yeah. on the first drive. And we didn't see him for a while. He didn't come back till late in the third quarter into the fourth. And, and then the, when he came back, he was on fire. And the ability to do that as a coaching staff is so important because, like, now you can hold guys accountable in a way that you couldn't before. Like, that's a five-star superstar out there. Like, that's a future millionaire in the NFL. And he missed a tag. He missed an assignment. He missed a snap on the first drive. He comes and sits the bench. And you don't lose anything because of it, right? You're not putting your team – um, in a negative spot by doing it, and I imagine that's a lesson that he's going to learn, right? I mean, you you playing time is the is the reward, and if you can take that away and the defense stay good, like that that puts a sign in everybody. Well, and it was amazing. You go back and watch him when he came back in late; he was on fire. He was, I would imagine it was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And you saw like the, the, the like a rabid dog running around mm-hmm. out there, which is what you want. That not sulking about it, but just saying, you know what, I made a mistake. When I get back and get my chance, I'm going to be aggressive. Uh, one other, and this look, uh, Jalen Ford, I think is the best player in the Big 12 on defense, but Jade Barron is not far behind. He only played 33 snaps, speaking to the point of keeping guys fresh, but he ended up with a 92 grade from Pro Football Focus. He made th- big stops on third down plays where he had, he was the guy in the flat that had to get the tackle and made plays. Here is uh, Sark talking about Jade Barron, the, uh, the, the, the dynamic playmaker out of Pflugerville right here locally and what a player he's become, why he's become such a good player. He does a really good job of tying the front and the back end together. You know, Jalen obviously does it from the backer position, but Jade does it at that star position because he's in and around the box in the run game. We're asking him to, to play in coverage and zone coverage and man coverage, and he gets some tough matchups in the slot. Uh, but his ability to, uh, you know, one of the higher football IQs on our team and his ability to diagnose what's coming and then trust his instincts and, and go make plays really shines through. It's not by chance. It's not by luck that he makes plays. It's He does his studying. He has prepared for the ball game. And then when he sees something and he knows it, he goes for it. He cuts it loose. And in turn, he makes some really big plays for us, and he does it with a really physical nature. Heck of a player. Uh, high IQ, and you see that. I love that, tying the front to the back. I think they struggled with that last year and in previous you know, the first year for sure, or it just didn't feel like the the, the you know the coverage is mixed the front, and they just have a, a deeper and better team. And now you got veteran guys that play a lot of football. Yeah, I one of the things that I learned in, on being a recruiting writer for so many years is a lot of these dudes don't love football like that. You know, they don't watch a lot of football. You know, you ask them what they do outside of football, and a lot of it's not football. Play video games. Yeah, hang out with their <laughs> friend. Like they just don't. They're just not. He, that kid loves football, and he always did. Like even when he was a recruit, he'd ask you about other high school games and stuff like that. You know, he was going to Baylor until he, Matt Rule left. Yeah, yeah, and he's got cousins in the game. He's he's uh, related to the Mainer kids, the Munamilans or Uman Mielans. There, there you go. Y'all say it for me. Princely Prince Will, right? Something other prince. No, there's four of them. They're kids. Four princes. Yeah, there's there's Prince, Prince Will, Prince Lee, and Princeman or something like that. And they're cousins. Yeah. Well, and those are all brothers, and then their cousins was Jade Barron. Um, so he's just in a big athletic sports family, uh, really likes the game, you know, always been a, a kind of like a mental giant out there that kind of like made up for some of his, uh, you know, physical, you know, 
he's not 6-4, runs a 4-3, right? He's not DeMarvion Overshone or something like that. But he makes up for it for being in the right place all the time. He called himself a defensive genius today at, <laughs> at press conference stuff that, that he's going to be a defensive coordinator one day. And somebody, somebody asked him, why not a head coach? And he's like, I don't want to deal with any of that other stuff. I'm just a defensive <laughs> genius. Uh, and so, like, you know, he's just – he's one, he's an extra coach on the field. And, and, uh, and he so plays he's like he's it, man. Playing, playing great. And sometimes you're trying to get off the field. As we said, the Longhorns have struggled on third down offensively. Defensively, they've held opponents to just over 30% of third down conversions. Which There's a he, reason he's always right where he's supposed to be to it's like not make a, just a not big a coincidence. play. Right. Like, you do it that's that many study. times. Yes, that's he's like a He's like a quarterback playing yeah. defense. And he just said it, high quarterback, hard football IQ, tying everything together. When you have he and Jalen Ford and a Jalen Catalan all playing, Brian Murph, Byron Murphy, these are all Big 12 players. And some of them will be All-Americans if they keep this up. All right, there's our third quarter drilling down on the Texas defense, which is playing at elite level, 10 points allowed to Wyoming. 24 to Alabama, and a couple of those were kind of fluky big play that they gave up, and they held, of course, Rice down as well. This defense can keep them in games, and if the offense continues to evolve, this will be a scary football team with that special teams. Uh, hey, City Store, open for business and ready to meet with you uh, for your big event and or just a dinner, just a dinner, lunch. Hey, City Store is phenomenal. It's my favorite place to go uh, here in Central Texas. We can get out there. Open every day, offering seating on their beautiful patio, the sports bar, the ice house, they call it, also under the oak trees. And then inside, Hey, City Store is famous now already for their scratch Texas comfort food, wood-fired pizzas, house-ground burgers, chicken fried steak, truck stop enchiladas. Uh, Mike's favorite is the bacon jam burger, which is elite. elite. Uh, over 53 beers. Just say that out loud. Bacon jam burger. Today is National Cheeseburger Day. That is one of those things that you don't have to sell to anybody. Nope. You just say it to somebody. They're like, oh, okay, I need to get out there. Oh, so it's like jam that's like right. flavor bacon. Right. Just let, wherever, your, wherever your mind goes with it, <laughs> that's where you, that's it. And like, you, you, you it. taste it and you're like, oh, gosh. Yeah, it's really good. That is something. Uh, that's part of that great menu, that Scratch Texas Comfort Food. 53 beers on tap. Uh, inside and outside, ice cold drinks, great margaritas. They got the margarita flights. If you if your wife or you love margaritas, they do three little ones. So you can you know, four of them across, and so you can taste toes out and have a great night. It's eighty nine eighty nine F one FM one fifty in Driftwood, Texas. It's Hayes City Store and Ice House. The complete mouth watering menu online at HayesCityStoreTX.com. And as I tell you every week here on the multicast, check out their new location. It's called Taste on Main and Butte. A different format, right? It's Steaks and seafood and higher end, a little more anniversary birthday event nights. But you're going to love it there at Hayes City Store and Ice House and Taste on Main in Buda. One in Driftwood, one on Main Street in Buda, Texas. Check them out and uh, see them online at HayesCityStoreTX.com. Fourth and final quarter is brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert. Told you about the Brain Vault technology in the first quarter, but how about this pearly white smile? Look at that. Look at that. Brand new. Uh, Dr. Ecker has restored more than 1,000 cases here in Central Texas and can do you. Just got to get a consultation. We'll tell you how to do that here coming up. But, uh, Big picture, big uh, college football, Mike. We mentioned not a dominant team. Georgia scuffled. Florida State scuffled. Michigan wasn't great against Bowling Green for a while. Texas wasn't great against Wyoming. But it's early, and teams are kind of figuring themselves out. So the competition's also making some adjustments and making some lineup changes, and that happens in college football. Uh, Who do you think right now is the best team in college football? Is it still Georgia? Hey, it's Washington. Um, Just like in terms of, like, who's played the best through – through three I think you're weeks, right about that. Washington you know, beat the beat the pants off of uh, Mel Tucker and that mess at Michigan State, forty-one nothing. Uh, they and USC. I mean, they might be. I mean, might, USC's top five right now at five, but Washington, they're going to play head to head this year. Yeah. This this USC is going to be this uh, Pac-12 is going to be an unbelievable 
yeah. next couple of months. Pac-12 is going to be great, and we're just seeing the importance of the quarterback, right? I mean, like Ohio State's got an okay quarterback. Alabama's Georgia. got an okay quarterback. Georgia's got an okay quarterback. And so that's that's giving these other teams, including Texas, an opportunity to rise up. And, you know, Alabama, you know, their, their average – like, think about this. The average player on Alabama's 85-man scholarship roster is a top 100 recruit in the nation. Jesus. Like, that's how talented they are. That's a 90% coach by Nick Saban. Coached by Nick Saban. And they're so handicapped at quarterback that they stink. You know, yeah. relatively speaking. They're average. They yeah. played two different quarterbacks on Saturday. And neither one of them three can already. do anything. Right. But Nick Saban did say today that uh, Jalen Milrow's going back. Yep. Yeah, because he's the only one that can run and save himself from that stinky offensive line. Well, like, when I, Alabama's I, offensive line stinks, well, like, I, we're, I, in a, we're in a critical match. And I think it's the portal because you used to keep your depth. Like your seventh best offensive lineman in Alabama used to stay there and and be dominant. Well, they could Brockemeyer stack talent. Transferred to TCU. Uh, right now they can leave, and now the the talent is being dispersed, and you don't have to be the backup quarterback because you're not stuck there. You don't have to give up a year of eligibility, so you can go play at different spots. And you look at like a team like USC, and that's a, that's a transfer quarterback. And so uh, I, I think that's really helping kind of like disperse the talent and help this be even. But it also could just be this is one of those years where the best teams don't have good quarterbacks, and that's the only difference. Well, yeah, Tennessee lost to Florida because Joe Milton's not as good as Hendon Hooker was, without a doubt. Joe Milton transferred from Michigan for a reason, uh, but he had a great bowl game, so everybody thought he was going to be big this year. He's going to scuffle. <laughs> he does throw a really pretty He throws it he's, hard. He can hum it. He's got probably the best arm in college football, but it, it, yeah. he's Nuke Lelouch. He's yeah. not, not sure where it's going all the time. Yeah, if, it, if he can throw it only 20 yards or more down the field, he's really good. He's like the opposite of Quinn Ewers. Yeah, yeah. He like he, he like has the deep ball down, but cannot do the intermediate or short right. side. Hendon, Hendon Hooker was so good with that yeah. for Tennessee. And look, even George is breaking in Carson Beck. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have a quarterback, you mentioned with the Pac-12. I mean, they, we talked about it all through the summer. They've got seven or eight, maybe the best quarterbacks in the country. Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner, is off to an elite start. Michael Penix, Longhorn saw him in the Alamo Bowl last year. He's an elite player with all his receivers back. He's off to almost Heisman start. He is. Oh, yeah, he he's, is. He's the favorite. I would, well, and I, would and I want so. you. I want to ask you because Shador Sanders has just been amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's shown he's a pro at Colorado for Dion Dion's son. When what an amazing football game that was, and finish and come back and all that. But how about the ice water to go ninety eight yards? This was Tom Brady, Joe Montana stuff. Mm-hmm. Ninety eight yards, two point conversion. Got took a cheap shot and came back and threw a touchdown pass and helped them win that game. That was awesome to see. Bo Nix is playing really good at Oregon. Uh, the, the kid Cam Ward at Oregon, at Washington State. That's my guy. I didn't, I didn't realize he's from Texas. Yeah, he's from, he went. To, he played at Incarnate Word for a couple of years. Yeah, that's crazy. He played for Eric Morris, right? He was Morris, in right? Cleveland. Yeah, he played for Eric Morris. He trans- That's why he got to Washington State because Morris took the job as Washington State's OC and then couldn't follow him to Denton because he already transferred. He played in Cleveland, uh, Texas, and they ran the option. Oh really? You know, so that's and it was kind of during that pandemic, kind of that pandemic time and stuff like North that. North of the woodlands, so there. He just kind of like fell through the cracks, ended up in Incarnate Word, played in the air raid under Morrison. I mean, he was throwing for like five thousand. He he beat Texas State. He was the quarterback of the Incarnate Word team that beat Texas State a couple. Cam years ago. Ward, keep an yeah. eye on him. He's Dude's a Texas ballot. kid playing at Washington State. He's really Great good. Family. I mean, we saw Shador Sanders shred that or take out, beat that Colorado State defense. Cam Ward put fifty. On that Colorado State team in Week One against Jay Norvell, so yeah, really good quarterback play. I mean, all the way down to Arizona's got a good quarterback. Um, Utah, when they get Cam Rising back, will have a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy in the Pac-12. Those games, I know it's the end of their existence as a conference this year, but those are must-see games. They have three ranked games this week. Yeah, Colorado it's the best plays conference or- in football. Yeah, Colorado plays Oregon. That's what's so sad. Well, <laughs> Colorado <laughs> plays Oregon this week. Yeah, UCLA hosts or goes to Utah. And then uh, I think it's Oregon State and Washington State or somebody. There's three ranked matchups this week. And that's going to be that way every Saturday now in the Pac-12 because they have eight ranked teams. 
uh, and they're going to cannibalize each other. I don't know if anybody can make the playoff because it's such a deep conference. Um, if there is one, it's USC or it's Washington. That, mm-hmm. That's my agreement. Yeah, I think Oregon's a really good football team, too. And then we always do this, and Utah wins the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> this is what we always do in September, and then like October, November rolls around, and Utah's like, no. Yeah, we win the backyard bully fights in the alley, and that's what this becomes. It's good and stuff. We win. Uh, Big Twelve. Meanwhile, the opposite side of the coin, they stink. Yeah. Uh, BYU had an impressive win at Arkansas. Other than that, there's not much to report. Oklahoma State got smacked by South <laughs> Alabama in Stillwater. Um, gosh, yeah. Yeah, you were at the TCU Houston game. How was that? Uh, yeah, it was cool. Like you know, as a kid who grew up really loving the Southwest Conference, like it was fun to see that game again, right? Like that helmet game, two Texas teams going up against each other. Uh, there was a lot of rain during the day, and they had lost to Rice the week before, so the buzz around the game wasn't as big as you would think. Kind of your debut into the Big Twelve was, but yeah, Houston's got a long ways to go, and I don't think you know we wrote TCU off like right away because they lost they to Colorado. Played so bad against Colorado, uh, but Colorado's a pretty decent team. Like I think we've discovered that that's not like the worst loss in the yeah, world. They played, so, Colorado played uh, great, and TCU played horrible. Yeah, and so I think. Uh, <laughs> In relative terms to what the Big 12 is this year, if you take away Texas and Oklahoma, I think TCU may be right there with Kansas State as somebody who can really, you know, compete. All right. Uh, also, any thoughts on the Big 12? Texas Tech beat up on Tarleton and uh, Oklahoma. Look great. I mean, they're they're the only other ranked team yeah. in the Big 12. But Brett Yormark woke up with a headache because, oh, man, the only two ranked teams I have are not my, in my conference next hey, year. if one of those teams goes and wins the playoff, they're going to claim it, boys. Oh, you yeah. know, like they don't care if they ride it off to the they'll sunset get paid or whatever. For it too. Right. They're, they're going to take They're going to cash that check, and they're going to put that banner up. So I, I don't know if he's too worried about it. I, I think Yormark – for as much crap as he gets, like I actually like, I like I the too. spirit. I do of too. It. Like I think he rolls into it. I think he would take the joke just as well as he would give it. Right, and to me, that's the the most important part. The Kansas State loss to Missouri was bad. Um, you know. Sixty-one yard field goal, yeah. the gun to beat yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Missouri's a better team than they used to be. They have some weapons and stuff now than in a way that they didn't a couple of years ago. Uh, but that's supposed to be one of your Big Twelve champions. They're defending uh, champs, you yeah. know, one of the one of the contenders, and they lost to a middle of the pack team. So they not did. not a great not a great Big Twelve start of the year. That Iowa sure. kicker is a husky boy. Yeah, yeah. what are they call Missouri him? thicker or Iowa? kicker? Missouri, sorry. Yeah, yeah, thicker kicker. He's thicker kicker. Yeah. Yeah. Thicker the kicker. Big boned, big boned. Yeah. Hey, round shouldered. Hey. Uh, all right, good weekend of college football. But the great weekend of college football is coming this weekend with conference play opening. All those Pac-12 matchups: Ohio State, Notre Dame. Uh, playing this weekend, Clemson and uh, Florida State in the big game. There's a lot of great games. Ole Miss, Alabama. You're a gambler, Mike. How about Ole Miss getting six and a half points going to Alabama? I think they win the game. Yeah, that one feels like sometimes Vegas puts out lines, and you're like, oh, that's free money, and that's uh, that's a problem. That's because that's how they out. well, that's how they they keep building casinos and stuff like that. That's so, right. So be advised when you when you think it's when you think it's too Look, good to be. Don't eat the cheese. You know. <laughs> Don't eat the cheese like rat Texas poison. trying to figure out. Yeah. That rat poison because, you know, Jalen Milrose, back quarterback for Alabama, Nick Saban said he saw what he wanted to see from his leadership on the sidelines, meaning he was rooting for the other guys. And he yeah. was helping the other guys, not pouting about, not starting, and now he's earned his way back. Plus, the other guys stunk. They were terrible. Did you see what Pretty Lane bad. Kiffin did? Uh-uh. Uh, not the, like, berate his mental, uh, you know, player or whatever and made him quit the team. But he kind of, like, uh, revealed that – Alabama's defensive coordinator is no longer calling the plays. Pete Golding. Yeah, well, no, Pete Golding's now at Ole Miss. Oh. Uh, but 
he, he oh, ca- the, the a, Kevin Steele thing. In a press conference, he was like, yeah, we've studied this guy for years, and it's not his defense. So somebody else must have been calling. He, like, named the guy who they think. And so, like, now that's created a controversy yeah, Nick Saban addressed in him. Alabama because, like, yeah. And so, Nick like, Saban I, said it's just Lane a— Lane Kiffin's just the best. Man. He's always going to jab. <laughs> just, just so—it's so funny. He's just, he's he just reminds you that he's still there. Yeah, Joey Freshwater, just, baby. The ones that got away. Funny. The he's, ones that got away. Biggest regret? Funny. The ones that got away. Mm-hmm. He's quoted as saying that. All right, that's our final quarter here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, powered by Grande Equipment. Final quarter presented by Dr. Greg Eckert and my brand new smile. I tell you about it all the time. I love smiling now. I didn't like smiling before. I like taking pictures. It's amazing what a confident smile can do for you, especially when you're on camera a lot like me or we all are, Zoom Zoom chats and things like that. Dr. Eckert specializes in tooth loss solutions, general dentistry for almost 30 years here in Austin. He's got that covered for you. But if you want new teeth, a new tooth, or just uh, one single situation or an entire restoration or those permanently secure dental implants with Dr. Eckert, that's a brand new smile in one day. All this work he did on me took about five hours, one afternoon on a Friday, and it was phenomenal. It put me to kind of to sleep, the uh, Eckert cocktail, some some nitrous, a couple of sedatives, and I was out, slept for most of it, woke up with this new smile and absolutely love it. It is uh, really great. Uh, he can just restore over a 1,000 cases, as I mentioned. Now I give him a call and set up a consultation where you're the boss with Dr. Eckert. You make the informed decisions about your dental health care needs. It's right here in Austin, off of Far West, North Central Austin. Been there almost 30 years now. It's 345-3166. That's 345-3166. Dr. Greg Eckert, and that's Eckert with a U, not an E. U-E-C-K-E-R-T, DrEckert.com. Online, he brings us our fourth quarter. All right, we are a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We are powered by Grande Equipment. That, equipment. that is a wrap on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, episode 22. Mike, uh, we will record again on Thursday and drop yep. a Baylor, big Baylor intensive preview on Friday. So be looking for that on our website. I love when Texas teams play Texas teams. Yeah, I do too, for the last time. Yeah. They, they may never play Baylor again. Yeah, it's the 113th meeting. And they, it may be Texas a- is losing 283 games of rivalry from TCU Tech and Baylor after this year. I know that sucks. Bye. Yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do about it? Uh, Mike, where are you going this week? Are you going to Baylor, Texas? Yeah, Texas, Baylor. All right. Well, excited about that. Uh, so looking forward to that. Headed up uh, up Waco. Having driven to Dallas and back this weekend, the trip up has never been easier. And yeah. I, did, I did drive in a torrential downpour between yeah. Salado and uh, Temple. That was pretty awful. It, uh, Temple can get a little bad around Mary Hart and Baylor, uh, but Waco's gotten so much better. It's definitely the whole not thing, the thing all the way. Now you get not, when you get through the split in uh, Hillsboro, it's three lanes all the way yeah. into Dallas. It's yeah. really nice. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, we we thank our digital producer Nolan Hogan for the details and the work. Also, our executive producer Griffin Hogan for his great editing and uh, work each and every week here on the Eyes on Texas Multicasts. And uh, thanks again to our founding partners. In addition to Grande Equipment, Carlos Carrion, TheTexasMortgageGuy.com, Hayes City Store in Driftwood, and Taste on Main in downtown Buda. One Source Gas of Central Texas online at OneSourceGasATX.com. Dr. Eckert and my beautiful new smile and his Brain Vault technology. And we are, of course, powered by our presenting sponsor at Grande Equipment, the locally owned, independent, but worldwide equipment company serving heavy equipment needs since 2004 online at grandeequipment.com. It's the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football, available to watch weekly on the Dave Campbells and the Horn in Austin YouTube channels. It's available for download on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Mike will do it again on Thursday. Everybody have a great week. Hook them.